Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Orange Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life. And I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. Titus. Take your Bibles, open up to the book of Titus. All right, I want you to do something for me. Um, I want you to imagine when the book of Titus is written, he was probably around the same age that I am. The reason I can figure that out is average age during that time was about 70, same as today. You know, we always try to improve our medicine, but throughout the history of mankind, uh, average age has relatively stayed the same. But anyways, so average age of about 70, Titus is said to have died in 109 AD, which means when this book is written, he's probably mid to late 20s, probably closer to later 20s toward his 30th year. So when Titus is written, Around the same age that I am today. So I want you to place yourself and, and just allow your mind to, to picture yourself on the island of Crete, which is a relatively, it's relatively unknown at that time. It's not, it's not a big city. It's not a big place. It's, it's an island in the Mediterranean Sea that's somewhat remote. Uh, there are ships that come in, and there is a, a, a pretty good-sized port, but for the most part, the island of Crete is kind of a, on its own. So imagine you're a Christian on the island of Crete in this time period, in the first century, about 20 years or so, a little later, after the church is established, and you come to worship service on a Sunday morning, And Titus, your preacher, who's about my age, stands up and says, we got a letter from Paul. And so, he would then read the letter. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and of the apostle Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So you get a letter from Paul, and it's this, it's this letter to the preacher, and this preacher is going to read this letter and in this letter are some pretty, um, some pretty tough things to hear if you're a person from Crete. I mean, let's face it. No one likes to be told that they're wrong. No one likes to be told that they have some serious growth that needs to occur. And yet, this chapter, this book, is going to say that. Verse number five. This is why I left you in Crete. So this... This whole reason, Paul goes through Crete, establishes the church. He leaves Titus, a a mid-twenties preacher who is trained, but who has never really done the work 
of a minister. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appointed elders and appoint elders in every town as I directed you, even uh, if anyone is above reproach. So Titus's job there at Crete is to make sure that the churches on the island have elders. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Going back to this past Wednesday's Bible study, we talked about the responsibility of an elder and the difference between the way an elder teaches and the way a preacher teaches. And that an elder teaches by command. An elder instructs by command. That 1 Peter 5 says that an elder is the right hand of God. It's the first time and only time that a man in a position in the church, is ever said to be in that position, in the right hand of God, the actionable hand of God. And then we talked about the difference between that, how an how a elder commands and teaches by command, and how a preacher teaches by persuasion. That, that what I do, and what Jim does, and what Wesley does, and what all preachers that you've ever heard or you ever will hear, provided that they're not also elders, what they do is persuade. That's why I start with an interesting introduction that grabs your attention to some degree that's going to keep you awake as long as I blabber and so forth. So, I want you to keep that in mind as we, as we read this. He must, verse 9, hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil, be- evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Their testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and to the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. To the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. To a person that is a Christian, he can see positive in everything. To a person that is a Christian... When he follows the teachings of the law, the teachings of the New Testament law, he's doing so in purity. If he's following the New Testament, if a person who is not a Christian tries to do those things, then he's undefiled, or that he's defiled. Because, see, what he's doing is doing the right things for the wrong reason. And he's doing the right things with the wrong motive. Verse number 16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, 
sound in the faith, in love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to, be, they are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching, show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an, op- an, op- an opponent rather may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are not to be well-pleasing, or sorry, they, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Notice how many times in this passage he talks about how people outside of the church see Christians. Elders are to be above reproach. Older men are supposed to teach the younger men. Older women are supposed to teach the younger women how to be respectful and and chaste and and keepers at home and so forth. And then he goes on to say, not, not even that, but preachers are to... To be examples in integrity and dignity and in sound speech and bond servants. Even slaves are supposed to, if you're a slave and you're a Christian, people are supposed to look at you and see how a Christian should act. Not how a slave should act, but how a Christian should act. Our, our name as Christians supersedes everything else that we do. Verse 11 of chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Keep that in mind. He just got done saying, here's how you act to the people outside. Here's how people outside should see you. Then he goes in for or because of the grace of God. You need to act like Christians because the way you act has a a very real bearing on how they see the grace of God. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Back in chapter 1, verse 16, he said that a person who's outside of Christ is detestable and unfit for any good work. And then in chapter 2, he says that Christians who have been saved are zealous for good works. We do the good things, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. He's talking to the preacher there. Let no one disregard you. Verse 1 of chapter 3, remind them to be submissive to the rulers and authorities, to to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. Keep this. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish. How do we, how do we treat non-Christians? How does the Christian who's living a life that people can see his Christianity through, uh, see the grace of God through his Christianity, how does the Christian treat people who are outside? Okay? How does the Christian treat people who are living completely abominable lives. Are you ready? 
Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect courtesy to all people. Verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. How do we treat non-Christians? Do we, do we berate them? Do we, do we... Listen, I know the world says you can't push pe- your religion down people's throats. The problem is, that's true. The problem is, uh, they, they see if you talk about your faith at all, then you're pushing it down their throats. That's, that's different than what we're talking about. It's the temptation of Christians to look at the rest of the world and say, look how horrible they are. Look how, you know, use them as the, the butt of jokes to, to, to berate the world because of the sin. And what Paul is telling Titus is, you need to remember that once you were there too, regardless of how good you were before you became a Christian, you were still lost. And many of these people on Crete they weren't good people before they became Christians. Many of us today weren't either. That's the good thing about being saved. Verse number five. So verse number six, who poured out on us richly so that we, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. If there's a person who's causing division among the body of Christ, you warn him once, you warn him twice, and then you just have to walk away, knowing, verse 11, that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Verse 12, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people, notice that that connectivity that Paul uses there, let our people, this is our family, the church, and over the whole world, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you, grace those, or greet those who love us in the faith, grace be with you all. Teach our people to devote themselves to good works. Paul doesn't, Paul never really sets himself up in the New Testament as being any kind of real leader. He's humble in his leadership. Now, that being said, there's also some times when people are acting 
crazy that he says, you want to fix this before I show up. I kind of wish they wouldn't have, so we would have seen what would have happened. That's probably not a very good thought in my opinion, but Paul sees himself, he sees what he's doing as part of something bigger. Teach our people to be lovers of good works. Teach our people, our family. Teach, teach the church. These are our people. And people will bash Christianity up and down, because, and members of the church will do it as well. well we don't want to form an us versus them mentality. Paul had an us versus them mentality. Just because it's us versus them doesn't mean it's us versus the individual. It's us versus the, the mentality and, and sinfulness of the world. And so, yeah, we, Christians need to stick together. It's true. But in doing that, we can't, harm our, we can't harm our reputation. How many times in this passage does he talk about someone's reputation? Older men, older women, younger men, younger women, preachers, elders, deacons, Christians the world over. over. It's like every single category that you could ever name is mentioned in the book of Titus and say, you need to keep your reputation pure. And here's how you do that. You make sure that you treat non-Christians with respect. You make sure that you, you stand firm on the truth. Respecting someone doesn't mean that you, you wholesale agree with what they're doing. But you stand firm on the truth, but you respect the people outside. And you don't, you don't set yourself up as an us versus them, and we're better than them. You set yourself up as it's us versus the world and we were in the world one time, and we know what it's like to be there, and we know what it's like to not be there. And not being there is the better choice. So that's the book of Titus. I know we took a little break off the book of Mark this time. Um, we will pick back up next month in Mark chapter 7. But I wanted to read the book of Titus today because of our study this past Wednesday and, and whatnot. And, um, and I think... I have, you know, anytime you ask me, whatever book I've been studying is my favorite book. Um, you know, most of the time it's, if I'm studying Genesis, my favorite book of the Bible is Genesis. If I'm studying Revelation, that's my favorite book. But Titus is overwhelmingly one of my favorites. I, I love reading it because it's not just, there's so much to it that we don't get when we just quickly read through it. There's, there's so many little nuances in that book. So take that. Take it and read it sometime. Uh, but that's the book of Titus. If you need to become a Christian, um, Titus talks about the life that they had beforehand. And he talks about the life of, of Cretans, that they're, that they're lazy, that they're worthless. I mean, he, he is not shy about the, the reputation of the Cretan people. And we shouldn't be shy to talk about the reputation of the world either. I mean... The fact is, we live in a sinful world. The good thing is, we can be saved from that sinful world. So if you need to become a Christian this afternoon, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you. And let us know while we do that.